Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. We'll turn to the book of Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew 1, verse 18. As you're turning there, also remind you, I believe we got some senior bulletin Christmas caroling tomorrow. I think meet here, what's it say, 5.30 tomorrow here at the church. 5.30 if you want to go Christmas caroling and spread some Christmas cheer. Sing loud for all here. That's something, it's off a movie or something. I can't remember. <laughs> y'all all right this morning. You can laugh. It's all right. Come on, how many of you, I know y'all didn't watch Buddy the Elf already this year. Come on, how many of you have watched Elf so far this year? I know some of y'all have. Man, not a lot of y'all have. Uh, I'm really surprised with that. Well, make sure you come be a part of that caroling that's going on. And don't forget, one week from today is, what, it's Christmas Sunday. I mean, it is Christmas Day. It's Christmas Sunday. Hey, look, I've been a, uh, not a part of it. I've been watching the debates, especially other pastors who's doing what and everything. And I'm not here to criticize anybody. I'm just telling you, Starkville Church of God, we are having service next Sunday from 10 to 11 o'clock. I want you to come back and be with us. Bring your family with you. Bring everybody that you can get with you. Want you if you will, share uh, on Facebook uh, the event. Go ahead and share that uh, for the church and uh, put it out there. We want everybody that can uh, to come and be a part of that. We're excited about getting together again. Unless the Lord moves, I'm not going to just get up and ramble. The plans are one hour max. We want to come in, worship the Lord, have a service, and uh, get you back. If you've got breakfast plans, go eat breakfast. Get here by 10. Listen, wear your Christmas sweaters, you know, just whatever, you know. Just come and be in the house of the Lord, and we're going to give the Lord honor on that day. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 is where we're going to go this morning. I'm going to be reading from the NIV this morning. If you got it, would you say amen? This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Hey, there's that key. Put your little finger right there. There is that verse or, or that phrase again. We talked about it last week when the angel showed up with the shepherds. And the first thing they said, what? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Here it is again at Joseph in this dream. The angel says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I want to preach probably just a little bit different than what you're used to me preaching, uh, but I'm going to preach just a little bit different this morning. I'm going to preach on the thought after he considered 
this. Would you stretch your hands this way and ask for the Lord to anoint me as I do the same for you? Father, I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice, Lord, both here in this room and listening by podcast. I pray that you'd open their hearts, their minds, their spirits, that the Word of God, the seed, would fall onto good ground and that would bring forth a multiplied hundredfold harvest in the name of Jesus. I ask that you'd help me today. Lord, give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do here today. We give you praise in advance for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Before you're seated, turn around to four or five people, give them a fist bump, tell them Merry Christmas. It's good to see you at Starkville Church of God. After he considered this. You know, they say most of the stuff that we are afraid of never even comes true. You know, that statement alone really should, should give us an incentive not to worry or be afraid. But obviously, as we know people and as we read scriptures, unfortunately, it is, it's in our being, isn't it? It's a part of being a person that we fear and we're afraid and we worry. You see, Jesus, when speaking on worry, in John 14 says to let not our hearts be troubled. In the book of Joshua, the captain of the army of the Lord tells Joshua in the first part of the book of Joshua to fear not, but to be strong and courageous. The book of 1 John 4 and 18 tells us that fear torments. Fear puts a torment in our lives, and where we and when we are young, many times we think about things that puts us at ease. We think about when you're young. I mean, I'm getting older, but I'm still not that old that I can't remember times of being afraid as a child. And there was something about if you could just get in the presence of your parents. Maybe you were alone in your room in your bed and you were afraid, and and it just something about if you could get to your parents, if you could just get them and get right there by them, then everything would seem okay. Fear strikes every one of us, and most of the time, we're scared about future events that we have no power over. You know, Jesus really makes it pretty clear in his teachings. Of course, he was the master teacher, so it makes sense. He makes it clear. You know, he says, which of you, by worrying, could add an inch to your stature? What good has worrying ever done? I didn't come this morning with a bunch of statistics, although there's a lot of them out there, but what kind of damage that worry can do to you mentally, to you physically? How many of you here today know and realize that worry does absolutely no good? Come on, let me see your hand, and you know, I'm not saying you're perfect and sometimes we worry, but you know good and well that worry does not ever do anything good. And as we look at this first story of the Christmas narrative, we can see a man by the name of Joseph. And I believe that part of him obviously becomes fearful. Why? Because when the angel shows up, what is the first thing he said? Be not afraid. And so I believe that there obviously was some fear, some worry, some trepidation here about the events surrounding his life. And if his mind is anything like so many of ours, he was thinking about probably the worst possible scenario. You know, there have been times in my life I'm thankful 
I'm thankful to the Lord that uh, he knows that I've got plenty of struggles in my life, but one thing that is not a constant struggle, it seems like, is worry and fear, but I have been in those moments. I have been in those times, and those times where it seems like when you begin to worry, and it's like a snowball effect, and what does your mind usually go to? Not like, you know, this little thing could happen. No, I mean, it just goes nuclear, and, and your mind begins to think about the absolute worst scenario that can happen. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You begin to worry and fear begins to come in and suddenly your mind is filled with the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen. However, there's an interesting scripture here in the Christmas fears. I wonder in this Christmas season, one week out from Christmas Day, are you struggling with fears and worries? Are you thinking about how you're going to make it? through the things that you are facing. You know, some may be thinking about just even this next week and thinking about next Sunday and thinking about getting through this Christmas season. Some of you may have worries about family gatherings. Maybe there are, are, are some breaches in relationships, and maybe there is some tension in your family, and you're worried about coming together as a family. Maybe as a parent, maybe you're worried about providing for your children and trying to make Christmas happen. Maybe even now you're already skipped to 2023, and you're thinking about worrying and worrying about what's going to go on next year. Can we take just a moment and ponder some things and let the Spirit of the Lord speak to us through this Christmas story? The Bible says here in verse 20 that after Joseph had considered something, the angel of the Lord then came to him. So the question is, what did he consider? What, what here was Joseph? But Verse 20, but after he had considered this, what all was he thinking about? Probably the outcome of the pregnancy, the fact that the girl that he was betrothed to or engaged to was already pregnant. Now, one thing that we also have to do is take into context, like all Scripture, it's always good to step back and take into context what's happening at the time of the Scripture. And at the time that this Scripture is happening, engagement was even more strong than it is today. When we think about an engagement in America in 2022, almost 2023, we think about, you know, it's pretty serious. We think about a, a guy has gotten down on a knee, and he's, he's gotten a ring, and he's proposed and popped the question. He's, he's thought about already. They've talked about venues. They maybe even talked about a list of who all is going to be invited to the wedding. Maybe they've even, depends on how far they are in it, Maybe they've even, you know, had a shower or two, friends, family, church, who knows. Some of these things, no matter who knows where you are in the process, what all has happened at this point. But one thing about engagements here is most of the time in an engagement, you know, if things don't work out, something at the last minute happens, you know, depends on how dramatic it is. If she takes the ring off, throws it at him, or she says, no, I'm keeping it, and I'm selling it, and it's mine now, or she gives it back, or whatever. Whatever goes on there, and then it's over. But in the time that this Scripture is happening right here in the book of Matthew, it's the engagement, the betrothment was much more than just what our engagement is. And in fact, we find according to Scripture that once they're at this point, that it's not just throw the ring back at him. It's going to require a certificate of divorce. So now he is here with this girl he's betrothed to, engaged to, 
and it's already pregnant. And there were three people that knew for a fact, God, Mary, and Joseph, that knew for a fact that Mary and Joseph had never been physically intimate with one another. He knew that he had never had a relationship like that with this girl. So no doubt in his mind, he had to have thought, who did this young girl go to and have a relationship with? Who was it? Was it a chance encounter? Was it a friend? Was it someone I trusted? Do I know who they are? Have I been cheated on? You know, according to Scripture at this time, they could be stoned and they could be punished. In fact, the law said she could be stoned or put to death, but according about what he's going to do. Joseph, being a righteous man, in fact, Scripture said, could hardly let his fiancée's pregnancy pass without action since it implied that she had been unfaithful and had violated the Mosaic law. And let's just be honest, he was pretty hurt too because he knew this baby was not his. So Joseph had three choices concerning how to proceed. Number one, he could expose Mary publicly as unfaithful. In this case, she might suffer stoning, though that was rare now in the first century where this story takes place. Probably she would have suffered the shame of a public divorce, even if she had not been stoned. Her name would have been drugged through the mud. All of town would have known what kind of girl she was, and she would have lived under that shame. Second option was to grant her a private divorce, in which case Joseph needed only to hand her a written certificate in the presence of two witnesses, according to Numbers chapter 5, starting in verse 11. His third option was to remain engaged and not to divorce Mary. So out of those, you know, it kind of started from one, the whole shameful thing, the most extreme, the least merciful, to two, private divorce, kind of in the middle, to three, you know what, Mary, forget it. Let's just stay together. Who cares? What did he decide on? Door number two, Joseph had decided, he's like, you know what? You know, I do love this girl. Obviously, he did, didn't he? I mean, let's just just be honest. I mean, because at this point when he's pondering this, before he gets to the point where an angel shows up, he knows she's got a baby in her belly, and it ain't his baby. And so Joseph being right, he's like, look, I don't think I can, listen, I don't want to start. I love this girl. I don't want to take the chance that she could be stolen, and she will certainly be living. She'll live under the shame all of her life. I don't want to do that. He's like, but you know what? I, I also, I can't just overlook this. I'm just not going to be, I can't just, I don't know if I can look at that baby not knowing who in the world's baby that really is and raise it. I don't know if I can do that. So I'm just going to go right here in the middle. Now, I'm going to make this private. All I've got to have is two witnesses, and I'm going to hand her a certificate of divorce, and we're going to go our separate ways. He pondered this. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And no doubt in this is because the angel showed up and said, be not afraid. He feared. His mind raced 90 miles an hour. Again, I'm thankful that this is not something. I know more people, some people deal with this so much more, but I have on occasion had this, and there have been times that I have laid in bed at night, In my mind, race 90 miles an hour. What in the world am I going to do about this? How am I going to fix this? How is this going to turn out? You know, he was righteous. Joseph was a good man. But there's no doubt he was thinking about what is going to happen. Mary is crazy. She's saying she's not been with a man, but the woman is pregnant. 
What are people going to think? He began to think about divorce and the courts, all the ways that he could get out of it. He began to think about the stoning or the shame and, and think about, you know, I love this girl and I don't want to quite go that far. Maybe even he thought about, hey, maybe I could just run, run away from all of it, get away from all of it, get out of here. He was afraid of what was going to happen. Fear could have possibly begun to cripple him. Could God be doing this to him? Oh, have y'all ever had that thought before? You don't got to raise your hand. But how many of you have bad stuff go on and you're like, oh, how can God let this happen? Why is God letting this happen to me? How in the world is this going to work out? Things are going to get bad, bad, bad. Fear told him his life was going to be destroyed. He began to think about, I thought this was her. I thought this was the one. She was such a good girl. I've invested into this relationship. She's beautiful. She's everything I wanted. I saw us. We had a future together. Uh, you know, they, of course, at that time, there wasn't a white picket fence, but for the sake of us today, you know, I mean, this was it. This was her. She's the one he wanted to spend the rest of her life with, to have a home, a white picket fence, kids running around the yard, swinging on the swing, and now she's hurting and as far as he knows, up until the dream, she's cheated on him, betrayed him, and carrying somebody else's baby. He pondered and thought about what was going to go on and what would go on if he was to marry this girl named Mary. But then, thankfully, the Lord came to him in his fear. Aren't you glad that even in the middle of your fear, the Lord will show up? Why do we take our fears and our worries and we bottle them up and put them inside? You know what? It's been on my heart. I'm just going to just barely scratch the surface on this because I'm going to come back next year sometime when I'm better ready for it. You know, our, our world, our nation, and even our little old community, unfortunately, we've been affected here recently by something tragic called suicide. You know what happens a lot of times? A lot of times there are people that they bottle everything up. They hide everything. And the next thing that you know, they've not, most of the, I know that sometimes some have threatened before and they come around with it, but a lot of times it's not the ones that said they're going to do it and all of that. Most of the times it's the one that's never said anything to anybody. And suddenly... Somehow they've taken their own life. Can I just tell somebody here today, and I'm telling you I'm coming back to this next year when I'm, when I'm better ready, especially when students are back in school, and, and tell you that, listen, you may feel like you're there. Everything is piling up on you. I said it a minute ago. Joseph may have even thought about run, 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 run. Listen, can I just tell you when you get to that point, even if you please run away before you decide, decide to run away in taking your own life. I know that's tough. I know that's difficult, and it gets us uncomfortable. And we're like, hey, why is he talking? It's Christmas time. Why are we talking about that? Because I believe as a pastor, I've got a responsibility to talk about things that are affecting us and the, and the plans of the enemy. The Lord told us to be aware of the plans of the enemy and, and the tricks of the enemy. And I just need to tell somebody here today, don't you hold it all in. Don't you bottle it all in. Don't you ever let the devil lie to you and tell you that the best way to get get rid of everything it's just to kill yourself and to take your own life talk to somebody don't bottle it all up 
Why do, we, why do we keep all this stuff in and not take them to where we must take them, and that is to the Lord? There's an old song. It says, where could I go? Oh, where could I go? Seeking a refuge for my soul, needing a friend to save me in the end. Where could I go but to the Lord? There's another old song that says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. Joseph pondered these things and thought about them in a righteous way because the Scripture said he was a righteous man. But listen, even when we are righteous, we sometimes surrender to fear. You know, I just need to let you know that you may be a godly man, a godly woman. You may be a righteous man, a righteous woman. But even those that are righteous sometimes surrender to fear. You can look throughout the Bible and you find that I mentioned him already. Joshua, he was scared of leading. He had seen, he had seen a generation die off. Him and Caleb were the only ones that had seen it. But those two guys had watched an entire generation die off. And now here they are. They're standing here at Jericho. They're getting ready to go in and possess a promise that had been promised to Father Abraham way back. But it was a promise that they were supposed to have had 40 years ago. And now here they stand. There, there was some fear, some trepidation. I believe that Daniel faced his fears when they said, don't pray Peter faced his fears when he was standing in the boat and Jesus was out there walking on the water and he told Peter, get out of the boat and come. Well, what are you scared? When God called him at such a young age, well, what are you scared of? I think about even Elijah. I think about Elijah. I think about, think, this is how crazy fear is. I think about the prophet Elijah that called fire down from heaven stood on Mount Carmel, faced down the false prophets, called down fire from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, the altar, licked up the water from the trenches, killed all the false prophets. And then what happened? Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And what happened? He ran scared, tucked tail and ran scared. After all of that, but that's how crazy fear is, isn't it? I mean, God's blessed you one day, and the next day you're worried that he's forgotten about you. God's delivered you from a situation one day, and the next day you're like, I just think God's forgot all about me. But that's the way we as humans are. That's the way fear works. What are you scared of? Are you scared of the outcome of your life? Are you scared you don't have the talent, the skill, the money, the education? Are you afraid that you're going to fail even before you attempt? Parents, are you afraid of not raising your kids right? Listen, I won't, I won't ever forget. I won't ever forget. It's, it's still a wait. But it's like, you know, we find out she's coming. There is no manual to these. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> that, X, that Behringer X32 
soundboard back there. I think in that shelf behind Lee, somebody sometime printed out a manual. And I mean, it's like this thick. There's a manual to that thing. But those two things didn't come with the manual. <laughs> then you kind of then you kind of get through stages, you know. I know I'm talking to all kind of different people in different ages. Some of y'all done raised them. Some of y'all got grandkids and great grandkids. Some of y'all are younger. You got kids younger than me. Some of y'all ain't got them yet. So I'm just talking to everybody right now. You know, you get through the little kid part. Get them through the baby. And let's come on. Let's get them through the baby. And every once in a while, you fear the whole. What's the thing with the seeds? You're scared. Oh, God, I don't want them to die in the night. Come on. There's always something. I don't want them to die in the night. Then as they're growing, you know, I want them, want them to have good friends. You know, I want them to learn. Are they reading fast enough? Are they, you know, can, can they hear good? Can they see good? You know? Am I talking to anybody? Y'all ever been where I'm talking about? And you're like, you know, what, what's, what's going on? You know, are they having friends? Are they, are, they, are they social? Have I raised them good enough? Do they know about? Then if you're a Christian, they know enough about Jesus. Put on the pastor thing. Dear God, I'm the pastor. People are looking at me. Do they think they're heathens or not? Do they know about Jesus? Are they answering the questions right? And then, and I, no, listen, nobody's ever done that to me, but I'm just telling, remember, this is fear. This is fear, stuff that just goes on through your mind sometimes. And you raise them up. Now, now I am on the precipice of college with one of them. I'm not even going to preach about that one because I'm still struggling with that one. Pray for me, church. Pray for me. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? All of these things, maybe even teenagers, and, and I'll be fair, for teenagers that are here, you know, what's next? I pick with her, but I, I know she's struggling. She's got a decision. Where is she going to go to school? Some of you here, you're already in college, and some of you, you know, am I going to go to grad school? If I am going to grad school, where am I going to go to grad school? What major am I going to pick? Some of you, you know, that are newlyweds, or you're young, you know, when are we going to have our first kid? And if you already got one, when are we going to have our second kid, our third kid? You know, I don't know. You just may get the spirit of Todd Tillman and want eight. I don't know about all that. But all of these things, they're going through your mind. You know, what am I going to do? Well, here's the fact of your fears. This is fact. We're afraid of about 99% of things that actually never come to pass. About 99% of the things that we just worry about and fear and let get us down, 99% of those things will never, ever happen. And we're afraid of the outcome when we don't really know what's going to happen. And Satan likes that. Satan wants you to be tore up on the inside. The devil wants you to be worried. The devil wants you to have ulcers. Y'all don't really believe the couple of you do. I said, the devil wants you to have ulcers. He wants you to have to, is it Prozac? Is that, is that the worry medicine? I don't know. He wants you to have to pop a Prozac all the time. He wants you to be so worried and so tore up all the time. That's what the enemy of your soul wants. He wants us to be afraid of moving forward because he knows if we're just stopping our tracks, we will not trust in the Lord. God showed up in the middle of his fear. And what did he say? Take Mary home. Take Mary. Somebody tell your neighbor, take Mary home. <laughs> he had to make up his mind about one thing, that Mary's situation is part of God's plan for his life. 
And when he got past that, he was sold out. It's right there. Verse 20. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Take the girl home with you. What's your Mary? What Joseph was thinking about was what to do with Mary. Mary was his concern and what he was afraid about. Mary being in his life presented a fear that he was afraid of what was going to happen in his life. What is your Mary? Is your Mary a call that you feel God has on your life? Is your Mary your age? Maybe you feel like you're too young. Maybe you feel like you're too old. Maybe you feel like you're just stuck in the middle and you don't really have time to do anything else. Maybe it's your experience. Maybe it's your inabilities. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your kids. What is your Mary here today? But the Lord said, take your Mary home. The Lord spoke to him and said, take Mary home. And I love verse 24 then. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and what? And he took Mary home. He did not have the Lord. Listen, I want you to see this right here. I want you to get this. The Lord did not lay out this detailed, massive plan. The Lord did not speak to him and say, Joseph, this is how it shall be. You are going to go to Bethlehem. You're going to go to this end. There's not going to be room. You're going to go in the stable. He's going to be born. You're going to go. You're going to forget him at the temple this one time. You know. All he said was what? Just take her home. Wish I could stand up here and tell you, you know, if you just trust God, he'll just lay out the whole plan for you, detail, just like that, that soundboard book back there that you, you just print it all out for you. You'll have every step of the way that you, no, just take her home. I feel like telling somebody today, just take Mary home and know that God is in control. Whatever your situation is here today, however difficult it may seem, however big it may seem, or how impossible it may seem, listen, the, the Lord, I know, he didn't give me some detailed prophetic word for you to be able to tell you every detail of every step of the way, but he said, did say, take her home. And when you take her home, take your call, take your age, your experience, your inabilities, your past, take it all home because it is part of your story and it will be part of his story as well. Don't let Satan intimidate you any longer. You can live in a victorious life. You can live despite whatever Satan whispers. You will not die. You will not be ruined. Joseph, no doubt, had the enemy whisper. I mean, come on now. This is Jesus we're talking about, about to be born. I have no doubt that the enemy was lying to him. Even in the middle of that, saying, Joseph, Joseph, you don't want to do this. Don't you listen to that angel. You really want that girl? She done been with somebody else. It was probably your best friend. You don't want to take her. You don't want to do that. What kind of mess is that going to leave you in? But here's, here's the great thing. Here's where we see things can change because the Holy Spirit was in the mix. What God was doing with Mary was of the Holy Spirit, and Joseph needed to know that. I'm going to read it again just so you can hear it again. Verse 20, halfway through, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What God was doing with Mary was of the Holy Spirit. Joseph needed to know this. He needed to be assured of this. And what God is doing in your life is of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is involved in something, even when you don't understand and should be afraid, God says, watch me show up and watch me show out. You know, we've gotten to the place where we want everything to go so nice and so neat and so plain that we don't allow God to just show up and do a miracle anymore. We want everything to be so easy. We want it all to just fall in place. But that ain't what happens a whole lot of times in this book right here. A whole lot of times. It's a book that's full of people getting their back against the wall, getting thrown in a fiery furnace, getting thrown in a den of lions, having to face a giant, getting their back against the wall, but being at that place where they got to stop and they know that there ain't nobody else that can get them out of the mess besides God himself. And it's then that God shows up. And he does get them out of the mess. When he's doing it, when he's birthing it, it's going to point then to Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. But after considering the options of giving up, going another route, getting help from another source, be assured that there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Take that Mary home. That circumstance that has you scared and worried, this life that has you frightened, take it home. Or in other words, embrace it because God is in the midst. So after considering, after contemplating, I'm persuaded that he, has begun, that he who hath begun a good work in me is faithful to complete that work in me. Just take it home. <laughs> take Mary home. Take Mary home. Take that first step. You don't have it all figured out. You don't have all the answers. I'm not promising you, oh, come down to the altar and God's going to reveal this whole list of plan from everything from right now until the day that you die. I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you, take Mary home and God will be with you. And he will help you every step of the way. You may not even know what's coming the next step, but if you'll just step out like Peter finally did out of the boat, God will help you walk on water even if you got to do that. But you must take Mary home. So I will not fear. I will not retreat. I will not go on my own route. God's route is uneasy. His route is nerve-wracking. When I turn it over to him, he will make the mountains fall down and the valleys rise and make the crooked path straight. I think we used to preach it a lot more in the holiness church about the old straight and narrow. Wide is the way, broad is the way that leads to destruction. It's easy. It's easy. I, I don't. I don't. I can't. There may be some officers here. Come on, let's just be honest. When you want to, if I'm out there on 82, you know, it's easier to, you know, be messing with the radio. It's easier to be. I don't know who would text and drive ever. Don't do that, you know. But it get stuff on your phone and everything when when you're on a big old wide road. But if I'm going up 389 up to Houston to see my parents and all the curves and all the narrowness there, you just ain't got time to do much there. Come on, somebody. God's route's uneasy. It's straight and it's narrow. It's nerve-wracking sometimes. Broad is the way. Easy is the path that leads to destruction. The devil's going to make it easy on you. If you start heading down his road, he's going to leave you alone. I've considered all the things that could happen to me. I'm persuaded that the greatest that could happen is what happens when I trust God and I allow him to lead my life. I don't know 
what's going to happen tomorrow. I just have to trust him. I've, I've done it. I've done it. I've personally walked it before. I've done it before. I've told you all this story before, but maybe somebody hadn't ever heard it. I just had to trust God. 2000, October 2018, I'm heading up 45. I'm on my way to Bethalto, Illinois. I'm passing the 82 exit. I'm passing the Starkville exit. And I'm like, God, I thought I was supposed to go there, but now you got me going up to Illinois. And I just had to trust that, God, you've got a plan and you've got a purpose. And you're going to, if the day comes that you're going to get me there, if I'm missing you, whatever it is, God, I'm just going to have to put my life and my trust in you and just take this bad boy one step at a time and know that you're going to take care of it. We serve a God who takes. He takes failures and makes them successes. He takes weakness and makes them strengths. He takes your past and he gives you a future. This is what the gift of Jesus is about. As we ponder everything that doesn't add up, as we consider every reason why God should not be able to use us, we must understand that Jesus was born in the world so that we could be born again. He was placed into this world to be rejected so that we could be accepted. He came so that through his life and sacrifice, we could have everlasting life. As the musicians come, take their places. I remind you, as I did at the offering, God's ways work a little bit different. In fact, they work a lot different than the ways of the world, don't they? If you want more, give more. He came to be rejected so we could be accepted. He came and gave his life so that what we could have life. He came humble. He came and was placed in a feed trough. You know, think about that. Let's just come on. Some of y'all, some of y'all do know. Y'all know what animals are all about. Come on, how many of y'all got any? any y'all been to actual feed trough before? Come on, let me see your hand. You've been to an actual feed trough. You know what these mangers, these mangers that we put in these, and of course we do. We bring them in the church. We don't want, we, we take these mangers and we got fresh hay in them. Usually the wood is brand new. It's fresh hay in them. Nice clean blanket, you know. But a feed trough. Listen, we had cows and horses and all that growing up. I, I worked for a guy I, I, who had hogs. And, and I went in the hog pen and gave them food. Let me just tell you something about a trough. The trough they laid Jesus in was a working trough. It was not a Christmas prop trough. And it had cow slobber and donkey slobber and horse slobber and sheep slobber. You say, why are you saying that? I'm telling you because this is the way God worked. Jesus came and lowered himself so that we could be raised. And I need to remind somebody here today, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what pressures you have, no matter what worries you have, the angel showed up in Joseph's dream in the middle of that worry. I need to tell you this. I'm reminding you here as they're setting up. I'm about, we're about to shut this thing down. We're going to pray. But in the middle of your worry, let God show up. That's my prayer today. In the middle of your worry, in the middle of your concern, in the middle of your crisis, that God would show up. And just as he did with Joseph, let me just tell you, because I don't want you to, I don't want you to be disappointed when God shows up 
He's not going to give you that big old thick instruction manual. It may just be one, one thing. Take Mary home with you. We'll go from there, but take her home with you. I don't, know what, I don't know what your Mary is today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the problem is. Just God, no doubt, most of the time, it's just a simple little word. God said, you just take that, take that first step. Trust in Him. Give it to Him. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care. He's going to do bigger things. Now listen, listen to this. Listen, think about this for just a moment. Joseph goes from one moment thinking the woman that he loved has cheated on him and betrayed him and become pregnant with another man's baby. He goes from that to that girl's got the Savior of the world in her womb. I'm going to be a part in raising the man that's going to bring forgiveness to the sins of all humanity. Listen to the preacher here today. God can take your man. What you think is horrible, what you think is bad, what you think is your world falling apart, if you'll just listen to him and take Mary home, he's going to do bigger things, greater things than you ever Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.